LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, the huge crowd, man. My bad, folks, my bad. You know, working full time and trying to be all things to all people is a challenge like you wouldn't believe. But my name's Steve. I am the Rogue Scholar, and we are going to go ahead and get ourselves started. Um, today's discussion is going to feel like Groundhog Day, I suppose, at some level, because, well, shit, it always is Groundhog Day, isn't it? You know? It always is Groundhog Day. So, you know, part of me wants to just scream and yell about it, but why? What what good would it do, right? What good would it do? None that I can think of anyway. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to talk to you guys about the national debt and these fools right here, this, this thing right here. I mean, it's pretty bad. Just to be honest, it's pretty bad. And when you see how bad it really is, um, it, it, it fundamentally changes you to know how stupid the world is around you. When you understand that you are in the 1% of the 1% that gets this stuff, it's incredibly brutal to see it and watch it on wash, rinse, repeat. And so what I'm going to do is start with this post by the Pete Peterson Foundation. And before we get into that, let me start with a little tale about the Pete Peterson Foundation. So Pete Peterson is a scumbag, piece of shit, dead man. A man that we should all be grateful for is dead. Uh, this is a guy who has single-handedly created a foundation to fan the flames of what the national debt isn't, but claims it is, and has got so many people, unfortunately, wrapped around their little finger, um, believe in this garbage. What the national debt is, is the sum total of every untaxed dollar in the economy. Because when the federal government spends, it creates a subsequent reserve. And the ultimate debt is all the money that we've spent into existence. And to get rid of the national debt is to literally get rid of all the money in the economy. We sell treasuries, and I want to do a quick mini recap. I don't want to do the deep dive. I'm so bored of doing the deep dive, but so many still don't get this. When you sell a bond, number one, you have to buy it in the currency that it's represented by. So in the case of the United States, a U.S. bond has to be purchased with U.S. dollars. And what is a bond? A bond is nothing more than a time-boxed savings account. Nothing more than that. Literally nothing more than that. So if you think about you got a fat stack of cash in your hand, you go up to your local bank and you say, I'd like to open a savings account, and you drop 10 large at the savings account, at the bank. Do you think that bank is like going, oh, please don't bring your money here? Oh my God, we'll never be able to pay off. We'll never be able to pay off this debt. We're borrowing that money. No, the bank doesn't need that money. The bank wants safe assets to show on its balance sheet that it has this stuff. Well, in the case of the US, okay, in the case of most governments, they sell these bonds as a way of getting buy-in from the rich, if you will. Okay. The rich park their money into these bonds and they earn a nominal interest, okay? A very, very small amount of interest. But it's still interest, and it's still additional money, and it's basically a basic income for the rich, as we often say around here. But it's nothing. It's a giant nothing burger. If we decided tomorrow morning that we will forever run a zero interest rate policy, we could choose to never sell bonds again. We could choose 
purposely not to sell bonds, though no one would allow that because the people that are whining about the debt at the top are the ones that know damn well that without selling bonds, they're not getting all that free money, okay? Now, unfortunately, truly disgraceful people like Pete Peterson, who created the Pete Peterson Foundation, want you to believe that that is debt being passed down to your grandchildren, that the United States government is spending irresponsibly. And there are worthless, right-wing, 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 right-wing assholes that will sit there and act like Joe Obama. That's the new one, by the way. I, I can't stand Biden, okay? But Joe Obama, okay, um, is running up the national debt and he's destroying the country. Now, simultaneously, Joe Biden is out there celebrating $1.7 trillion in deficit reduction, okay? Biden ain't your friend. The Republicans ain't your friend. I don't care if they own shit libs. They're not your friend, okay, period, all right? And anybody, literally anyone, whether you do it ignorantly or whether you do it maliciously, anyone fanning the flames about the national debt has blood on their hands. You've got blood on your hands, okay? You're purposely or not purposely, but either way, the end result is the same. People will die because of your stupidity or because of your maliciousness. Take your pick. You can be a malicious asshole that's creating problems for people, or you could be the dumb fuck that runs around, oh, the national debt, right? National debt, the sum total of every untaxed dollar in existence in the economy, okay? Made up of treasury bonds, which are purchased with those same dollars, earning a nominal interest rate, big effing deal. Doesn't come from hard-earned tax dollars. It doesn't come from anywhere other than the United States government who creates it with, drum roll please, this little contraption right here, this keyboard. That's how they create money. Didn't come from your hard-earned tax dollars. That's a Margaret Thatcher, right wing, ideal. Came from Ronnie Reagan, okay? Her and Thatcher, him and Thatcher both peddled that garbage, okay? And so we're gonna go ahead and show you now show you this trash here and it is trash it is big time trash but this is the number that these fools focus on 32 trillion 172 billion 576 billion or mil yeah billion million million 566,647.61 now that's the national debt now, let me just come back before I go further into this. And this, this is one of the ones that really will irritate you to no end. The government not only doesn't just print money, but when the government spends, it always creates new money. You understand? When the government spends, it always creates new money. It never respends your hard-earned tax dollars. However, if they just kept spending money into existence, eventually we would have nowhere to walk because the world would be littered with pieces of paper if they were just printing money. What happens is, is that when they tax, they remove money. It doesn't, it's not a store. Uh, Bubba had a surplus and W squandered it. Shut up. That's not how it works. Okay. What happens? Guess what? That money was deleted. It was destroyed. It was shredded. It no longer exists. Okay. A surplus is an annual reference to how much you taxed versus how much you spent. And when we spend less than we tax, we create a surplus. And guess what that means? That means that we pull more money out of the economy when we tax more than we spend into it, okay? And all the tax is doing is literally removing currency. They remove currency from the, from the 
existence. Where does it go? Who knows? Where does a score on a scoreboard come from? And if they make a mistake and they take a run off the board in a baseball game, where does it go? Who knows, right? The bottom line is it's gone. It's a unit of measure. It doesn't exist. This whole idea of the national debt is the sum total to the penny of every untaxed dollar in the economy. Now, let's go back and take a peek at what they're saying here. They're saying $31 trillion, okay? So let's go through here and read some of this stuff. We got Rob Baxter, our own Rob Baxter, who probably is in the comments there. Keep increasing that number, baby. Oh, yeah. But you'll notice there's a one fool, one fool in there who is laughing at this. And he's not laughing because it's a great meme. Or a great gif. He's laughing. She's laughing because she's a fool and doesn't know what we're talking about. So it's like, how much is a trillion dollars in $100 bills? A trillion dollars in 100 bills weighs 10,000 metric, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. It'll take nine years. We're never paying that off, okay? Look at Diane Madison. It's disgusting. Irresponsible. Government for so many things, not making people work for a living instead of giving them what they whine for. And immigrants allowed entrance here and they have no job, etc. So it adds tremendously to our debt. But government continues for some strange unknown reason that makes no sense. Charity begins at home. Charity begins at home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Take care of what you have first, and then if you're able to have resources, help others. What's happening here is wrong. You got people, and they're good people taking care of business, but it's just crazy. Joe Obama, watch y'all spending that leftover COVID money on. How about $220 billion still missing in the military equipment to contractors? And our leaders sit in Washington and fight over how much the deficit will be next year. We had a surplus under Clinton and Shrub wasted it and then started two wars on the credit card. Tax the rich and corpse. Folks, over and over again, thanks to the liberals who got in office, that's what happens every time they get in office. The national debt goes up. The plan is for accelerating inflation to eat all newly minted federal debt. Uh, No, not national debt. That number is running total of the world's largest money laundering scam. There's no national debt. That's how much money Congress is stealing from we the people. Stop all foreign aid and watch that number dwindle away overnight. I mean, even this guy, thanks, Trumponomic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reason. I mean, it's after a while, you see this stuff and you just go, what in the hell am I seeing? Right? I mean, let's see. Most of these are, are good people. Most of these are people that get it, that are commenting. But there is 179 comments here. And if you go to their pages, which I'm not going to take you on, by the way. But if you go to their pages, unfortunately, looks like I am frozen. So hopefully you guys can hear me. If you guys can hear me, let me know if you hear me or not. Well, there we go. I guess we're going to bring Steve back into the picture solo because I was having troubles there. Anyway. This is what you're going to go up against every single time, though. And if you understand what I'm saying, if you understand what I'm saying, go to your favorite alt media place, and they're going to have the same trash. I'm talking about left-wing folks. I'm not talking about Republican. I'm not talking about Trumpers. I'm talking about people that claim to be the left. They claim to be the real left. And they're revolutionary as hell, and they're not going to take it anymore. And they're sitting there saying the same shit about the national debt. 
they're sitting there saying the same crap. Literally the same crap. How absolutely unrevolutionary can you get? Okay? This, this is what we're up against. And it gets worse because, I want you to think about this. Even though we may not be able, even though we may not be able to pass bills in Congress, because our Congress is clearly not representative of we the people. And not only that, but have you ever seen an opportunity where you've been able to actually vote for these people and literally win? I mean, for real, they pick who they want and that person gets in, period. I guarantee you there's no way in the world that there are a bunch of Pete Buttigieg lovers out there. And if they are, they're like the centrist shit lib variety, okay? There's just not enough to win the presidency with Pete Buttigieg. And I know damn well nobody that listens to this channel is actually pushing for Pete Buttigieg. And yet Pete Buttigieg will probably be, in a few years, one of your nominees, if not Kamala, if not Chelsea Clinton, if not Michelle Obama's, maybe Michelle Obama, maybe her kids, Aaliyah, Malia, whatever. You're going to see more of this kind of rich people oligarch, you know, kind of shit. It's going to feel very, very much like the 1700s. It's going to feel very much like czarist Russia. You're going to very much have these families that just ascend to the dynastic throne of the United States. Okay? That is not representative democracy. No matter how much a vote blue, no matter who tries to sell you, that this is the most important election of all time, that somehow or another we've just got to beat the Republicans because, quite frankly, it's like which rich oligarch are they going to put up top? You didn't have a lot to say on it. Trust me. Please don't, don't believe the hype, okay? Don't believe the hype. Anyway, so if you understand, though, that the country – not just the United States, okay? Every country that has a free-floating fiat currency like the United States does, with or without a petrodollar, with or without the world reserve currency, each and every country that produces its own currency can purchase anything it wants with its own currency, that if it's for sale in its own currency, it can buy it, period. So the idea of creating this national debt fear porn is to prevent the public space from being able to take care of the people without the competitive free market games that are played. Now, I want you to understand why this matters. Money comes from two places in this in, in, in the sense of the U.S. dollar, okay? Really comes from three, but we're going to say two in this case. Either A, the government spent it into existence, or B, you borrowed it from a private bank and took out a loan. Those are your two choices, okay? So these people don't want you to believe that the federal government can do anything. They want you to believe that the federal government is broke, that it can't afford its bills, that it's irresponsible, and that any spending it does is robbing us of our hard-earned tax dollar. That is the narrative, and that is what feeds that national debt. These people genuinely fear that they're handing off the biggest credit card bill of all time to their children. And they are reactionary and they will fight you much harder than a lefty will fight for the truth. This is the sad thing. The reactionaries on the right will fight harder about their fears than the left will fight for its visions. And this is why we keep getting more crazy stuff with uh, books being banned, immigrants being in trouble, you name it. All these different pathetic, fearful approaches to the world, every last one of them is baked in things like the national debt. By pushing that national debt narrative, there is no Green New Deal ever to be had. There is never going to be Medicare for all, even though Medicare for all technically would be deflationary and we could actually provide a tax cut if the 
people fighting for Medicare for all would stand tall and say the truth and not pretend like MMT is something that they can put on the shelf and bring out when they feel like it, but literally live in that truth because they've got to disabuse everybody around them to get people to understand, okay, that Medicare for all would require a tax cut because it's deflationary because not only does it shrink a lot of unnecessary spending. When I say unnecessary spending, I'm talking about all the administrative red tape they use to keep you from getting service, to keep you from getting your heart taken care of, to keep you from getting that lumpectomy or whatever else. They've got more money invested in denying you service than they would if they just simply allowed the service, okay? So by going to a Medicare for all or universal or single payer health system, you would eliminate many jobs many jobs pushing paper from one side of the desk to the other to deny you service, okay? We can get into a job guarantee at some other point in time so we have a just transition for groups that are X'd out of their old jobs because we're making changes, folks. Just because we did it wrong yesterday doesn't mean we have to do it wrong forever, okay? And I think it's that sort of moment right there. It's that sort of moment when you realize that if we're not fighting this stuff and communicating it daily and getting it into everyone's hands and talking about it 24 by seven, you'll never get Medicare for all. It doesn't matter if Marianne Williamson gets granted the, you know, the, the nomination or whether RFK gets the nomination or whether somehow or another du duopoly decides that it's going to allow a third party to win the electoral college, okay? whatever none of them understand economics not single one of them not marianne not cornell and definitely not rfk jr biden shown over the last how 50 years plus that he doesn't have a clue either okay these people are either a pandering to the worst of us the the, the least educated or two, they're in cahoots with, quote, unquote, the capital order, and it's intended to discipline labor. Or it could be both, right? But in the end, in the end, it's all about making sure that we have to go out and buy it from some capitalist corporation, as opposed to the government providing it for us and being a single payer and shielding us from any inflation or shielding us from any market impacts because it doesn't matter because the government doesn't have a piggy bank. It just simply creates money when it spends. So in order to make us fearful, in order to make us afraid of the lump of coal in our stocking, in order to make us afraid that our child's going to drown or what, some horrible thing's going to happen, they keep this national debt fear porn large and in charge, fluctuating everywhere, okay? Everybody wants to pay down the national debt. Everybody wants to reduce the deficit. Everybody's scared to death. Now, I want you to understand, $32 trillion in quote-unquote national debt. If you understand double-entry accounting, split the paper in half. One side, somebody's red ink as somebody else's black ink. If the government's red ink goes out as debt, somebody's black ink, that would be us. So it depends on what side of that ledger you're looking at. The government spent over the course of history, 32 trillion into the uh, economy. And we have 32 trillion in the economy. That's it. It's, it's a tally of how much money is in the economy. It's not a tally of all this debt we have. Now, let's say China, God, why do I feel like I've said this before? Oh, because I have 100 times. I have 150 times, 200 times, 1,000 times. But when you think about what it is that we're fighting for. When you think about making life better for mankind, keep it simple, smiling, forget a revolution. Just think about how we would take care of universal basic services. Fuck a UBI, 
Okay. We can talk about that. If you ever want to engage me on that, I'm more than apt to set up the octagon and we can go toe to toe in the middle of the cell. I mean, for real, it's like time to throw down. Okay. But if you want to talk about universal basic services, providing housing, providing childcare, providing college education for free, providing, you know, basic needs, food, shelter, water, you name it, right? Healthcare. That money's got to come from somewhere. It's either coming from us borrowing from private banks, you and I, which we don't have the capacity to create universal health care by individuals borrowing from banks, or the federal government has to spend it. So what do they do? They get the federal government to spend huge amounts of money elsewhere, what, on the military. It's not something that we can't do also. But they convince you that we can't do anything nice because we've spent all the money on the military. And some very well-intentioned person will tell you that they can't track all the money that they spent. And it's a big laundering scam and blah, blah, blah. And it may be true. It does not change the fact that the federal government, no matter what, has infinite capacity up to the point of full employment and real resources to literally provide college for every single person, including immigrants. If there's enough teachers, if there's enough schools, if there's enough, you know, online classes, whatever. The government can provide health care for each and every one of us. The issue is, do we have enough doctors? Do we have enough nurses? Do we have enough, you know, gastro and you know, whatever the fucking heart doctors, you know, Whatever, dietitians, I don't care, dermatologists, podiatrists, fucking proctologists, okay? If we've got enough gurneys, hospitals, that's, that's, the, that's the constraint, okay? It's not a matter of us being in debt. We're not, who will we borrow money from? I want you to think about this. Who would we borrow U.S. dollars from? Now, there's got to be some libertarian fuckstick that's going to tell you it's the private Federal Reserve uh, and the Rothschilds that they're borrowing from, okay? And they think themselves rather clever. The reality is it all, every single nickel, every penny comes from a keyboard created out of thin air. Now, with all that debt, you would think people would lose confidence in the dollar. You'd think they might lose confidence in the dollar. <gasps> so much debt, we're going to have no confidence in the dollar. It's exactly because we have spent so much money into existence. And we've allowed it to matriculate throughout the entire world. And those people have invested their money into bonds where they're counting on our money, not tanking. They want it to appreciate. Well, it doesn't appreciate in the U.S. We don't give a shit. That's for people outside. That's for speculators. That's for those fucking scumbag Wall Street traders. That's for the frigging capitalists that want to bet, bet on the dollar, want to invest in the dollar. I bet it's going to go up 0.2%. Okay? Has nothing whatsoever to do with any impact in the United States. Right? I want you to think about some. If wages kept up with inflation, who would give a shit about inflation? If, if gas, petroleum products went up, I don't know, $10 a gallon, but your pay at your job increased symmetrically with that, would you care? No, it's the same thing. It's just different, right? The reason why you and I care about inflation is because they have suppressed wages and they've kept us struggling while they keep increasing profits. That doesn't sound to me very much like people and printing money are causing inflation. That sounds to me a lot like somebody in a fucking smoky boardroom deciding to raise prices up to maximize profits and then give it to the CEOs. Okay, that is not in any way, shape, or form 
something that benefits or hurts us. Okay? I mean, hold on. So somebody's asking a great question here. I'm going to talk about that. Do we have enough, though? If not, then how do we recruit enough doctors, nurses? This is like the $5 million question. It's really actually quite a great question. It's the type of question a policymaker should really focus on. Okay? If you know that you're going to, like right here today, we know that we would like to give 350 million people free health care forever, forever. For, it doesn't matter what it is, no cost to point of service, 100% paid for. Everybody that has allowed their shit to go to hell in a handbasket is going to rush to the doctor. Is there a way to handle that demand, aggregate demand? This is the point. We have to make sure that we have enough of the right real resources to source any one of the programs we might put forward, okay? So what could the federal government do? The federal government could, could, won't, could, but won't put a huge tax on anything earned in investment. If you're on Wall Street, they could literally tax that at 99% or something like that and make it so that nobody is spending time in the fire sector. And then all of a sudden you could say, we're offering a $20,000 you know, bonus for people that sign up to become doctors, that go to med school or go to nursing school or whatever. So now all of a sudden you have a pathway to developing how many nurses, how many doctors, whatever. You can design the system to meet the demand, okay? You can do it however you want, but the point is you've got to think about the real resources. And this would require planning, central planning. This is why doing things state by state is not necessarily the best thing. Because people don't fundamentally understand the larger economy, and therefore they should not be asked or listened to for how to do the economy, okay? In the end, the national government, the federal government, has the power of the purse. It's the one that creates the money. So if you're trying to get it so that there's enough doctors around the country, there's enough nurses, or they set it up to where you can do it remotely, you can do tele telemedicine or whatever, however they do it. I'm not here to carve that. I'm here to just say there are ways of being efficient. There are ways of mitigating. We don't have enough in your local community, but until then, we're going to do it this other way. There's a million ways of doing it. But you're right. We have to ensure that we have the real resources. There is a clip, and I think I might even have this here. I think I might even have this here. And I saw some other comment there about incentivizing the wrong thing. And we're going to smash that one right in the mouth in a second. So hold your horses. Don't run away. I'm about to crush that momentarily. We're going to go ahead and do an Alan Greenspan thing here so you understand about the real resources. Here we go. So having personal retirement accounts is, a, is another way of making a, a future retiree benefits more secure for their retirement. And also, do you believe that personal retirement accounts as a component to a system of solvency does help improve solvency because when you have a personal retirement account policy, it, it's accompanied with a benefit offset. With that feature in place, do you believe that personal retirement accounts can help us achieve solvency for the system and make those future retiree benefits more secure? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the uh, pay-as-you-go benefits are insecure in the sense that uh, <clears throat> There's nothing to prevent the federal government from creating as much money as it wants and paying it to somebody. The question is, how do you set up a system which assures that the real assets are created which those benefits are employed to purchase? So it's not a question of security. It's a question of the structure of a financial system which assures that the real resources are created for retirement as distinct from the cash. The cash itself is nice to have, but uh, it's got to be in the context of the real resources being created at the time those benefits are paid so that you can purchase real resources with the benefits, which of course are cash. Mm -hmm.
<laughs> Don't you love hearing little Paulie Ryan crying like as he got his little face slapped abound? I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Let me take you through one more video here real quick. And this is an interview I did with Warren Mosler a long time ago. But I want you to understand the stuff I'm saying about tax cuts and stuff like that for Medicare for all. It's not just me saying it's not a joke. It's real. Here it is. Uh, now, the other thing I want to say about Medicare for all, which we tried to get through to Bernie Sanders, but without success, obviously, is I see it as a highly deflationary event. So right now I see... I'll just use very, very round numbers, but $3 trillion spent on healthcare. Out of that, $1 trillion in the private sector is administrative, private sector administration. That's pretty much going to go away if we go Medicare for all. But what does that mean if that spending is, goes away? Well, all those, those were all salaries going to you know, people who were like digging one hole and filling in another, which is what private sector you know, compared with, well, let's, let's just say they were doing all the administration work. I'm not saying what they were doing wasn't valuable in its context, but the context had, had no value. But anyway, you had a trillion dollars worth of wages and salaries going to people doing administration that aren't going to be there anymore. That's a highly deflationary event. All those people are going to be out of work in the unemployment lines looking for jobs. You don't raise taxes in that context. That makes no sense at all. You'd want to lower taxes or increase public spending somewhere else in that context. Now, yes, there will be other people spending more money to wake up for it, uh, to make up for it. Corporations will have lower healthcare costs, so they may be spending more on something else. People may be getting higher salaries. People will be, you know, have lower um, healthcare costs. There won't be any healthcare premiums if it's Medicare for all, very little. Maybe you get a little bit of Part B or something. But, uh, and so there will be some inflationary biases, but I think the deflationary bias, at least initially, will dominate. So there's absolutely no reason to, to pay for Medicare for all with a tax increase like the Sanders campaign was, was, you know, putting out there, and it was a horrible tax. It was a regressive, punishing tax, even though it was supposedly on higher incomes, and, and the whole thing was, um, you know, would have been led to, I think, you know, you know, fifteen or twenty percent unemployment. I, I, I was like just categorically against that, you know, raising taxes into a. Now, and now that I'm thinking back on the taxes, they attempted it to be progressive, so I, I give them credit for that, but it, it would have wound up increasing unemployment, which is always a All right. So Moser goes on a little bit more and talks about it more in depth. But I want to be clear. What alt media station do you listen to that talks about how Medicare for all would be deflationary? Which one do you know of that partners up with Reich wingers and Fox News and other things like that, but doesn't sit there and talk about how Medicare for all would be deflationary and it could require a tax cut, Right. Well, it's because they don't know and they don't care and they ignore it. And it's also because, quite frankly, at the end of the day, if you think about it, what would happen if the right wing actually understood that Medicare for all was deflationary and that it would require a tax cut? Do you think that they might be interested in it if people didn't act like the MMT stuff was secondary. Uh, we're just into Medicare for all. We're going to talk about Medicare for all. We're talking about the thing everybody knows. Everybody needs health care. Oh, my God. Oh, it's horrible. The data sucks. Oh, my God. Whatever. But the reason you're never getting in anywhere is because you've put the economics last. You don't talk about it first. It's the first. It's the most important. It's the reason there is no groundswell for Medicare for all. OK, because even the people that do understand this don't lead with the economic message. They sit there and mm, I don't really want to talk that much about it. There's some voices out there do shows that never talk about MMT or never really genuinely care enough to learn it. But yet they talk about Medicare for all all the time. But they don't sit there and drive this point home. And therefore, it will always fall on deaf ears because everyone is still petrified of the national debt. And those same people will never listen to a Steve Grumbine show. They'll never listen to any other MMT show. They won't listen to a macaron cheese podcast to learn this stuff. No, instead, they will continue to go out there and talk about Medicare for all in these shows, but they will never ever really, really pave the way for MMT so that people will understand. This is the way you do it. They're out there, whether we in our little world talk about the national debt much or not, 
the fools on the other side are living in this. This is like, oh my God, this is not dark brand. And this is freaking scumbag Joe Bama who, and all his debt. See? And, and, and how do you go and tell someone, Hey, I hate Joe Bama too. I guess that's the name you're calling him, but I'm really, really hate him for being an economically illiterate fuck stick at the front of our country. I hate him for that. I hate him for imposing austerity. I hate him for celebrating deficit reduction. I hate him for negotiating with you guys over there for things that he knows just aren't so. I hate the Democrats for not talking about what I'm talking about today so that their plans could ever come true because they don't really want their plans to come true. If they did, they would fucking stop making MMT last. They would stop doing show after show after show talking about how bad it is to not be able to pay your bills and focus on the fact that we can afford this in spades and we could even do a tax cut to pull it off, okay? But instead, the pride runneth so high, overfloweth, the pride overfloweth, refusing to bring on MMT into their shows, refusing to put it out there, refusing to do the right thing because it's all about clicks and likes refusing to be an effective activist refusing to be an effective alt media person refusing to teach the country the right things instead well we've got to allow all voices an opportunity to talk no we fucking don't that's part of the problem is that we've allowed too many stupid people to have a well all opinions are equal Everyone's got an opinion, just like assholes. Everyone's got one, right? All this fucking cool, edgy shit. But the fact is, the fact is the nation isn't dying in debt. The nation is not drowning in debt. Can you imagine the Federal Reserve coming to collect from Uncle Sam, bringing its old men with balding cul-de-sac haircuts with the bony fingers wagging it at you, we're coming for the debt. What debt? Shut up. That's not it. And if it was it, they would have come a long time ago because 32 trillion is a lot of fucking debt if that's what you really owe. <clears throat> but alas, we create the money so it isn't real. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. That's the deal. It's all straight up bullshit and it, it it really feels it really feels gross disgusting to hang around with people that are of like mind who are you know supposedly lefties that speak right-wing economics people like matt brunig of dsa Sound finance Marxists, bullshit, worthlessness. We got to get back to the gold standard. Shut up. No, we don't. You've got to learn economics is what you need to do. When I say economics, this is a really hard thing for people to get. And this is going to be a quick moment, a break, a, a deviation momentarily. Very important. Microeconomics is what most Marxists talk about. It's what most people, it's not right that I don't have food in my refrigerator, but the military has more money. That may be a true statement, but it has nothing to do with economics, okay? The country chose, it was a political choice to put a military out there and leave your refrigerator empty. That was a political choice that the governing elite have made for you and me. On our behalf. That's the deal. But if you think about this, each step in this process is super simple. They intentionally try to make it complicated. China sells goods and services into the United States. What China gets for its goods and services is a bunch of U.S. dollars. China doesn't get U.S. dollars if it stops selling goods and services into the United States. 
But China and the U.S. are so interlocked, regardless of BRICS or anything else. China doesn't want that. China doesn't want the U.S. to fail. China wants the U.S. to stop being a douche nozzle. <clears throat> but China is not looking for the U.S. to fail. Okay? But the United States, they have a different motive on all this stuff, don't they? The United States allowed its infrastructure to fall apart because bad people convinced us that the debt was too high, that we couldn't afford to do nice things, that we were broke. Okay? As a result of this, as a result of this, we have not invested in our infrastructure in the United States in forever. Back in the day, they used to build these beautiful marble buildings, fucking stupid little temples of their greatness, okay? Nobody asked about where the money was coming from. It wasn't a thing. It really wasn't a thing. But now we can't even do some basic services. I mean, if you go to an unemployment office sometime, do me a favor, take note of the tape on the chairs. Do a note that some of the lights are burned out. Note that the furniture is from nice as new or some thrift store so that they can make sure you feel as shitty as they want you to feel for being a deadbeat not working. But who gives a fuck about the work they're trying to get you to do? The work they're trying to get you to do is for the man. It's for capital. These are all tricks to pull you back in to make you fearful so you'll be pliable and do what they want. The national debt is nothing more than the sum total of every untaxed dollar in existence today. China is not going to suddenly stop wanting U.S. dollars because every time China sells dollars, sells goods and services in here, they get U.S. dollars. And what do they do with those U.S. dollars? They buy bonds. Why do they buy bonds? Because it's better to earn interest on your money that you got than to not earn interest on the money you got. That's it. And what if they dump their bonds? Well, what does that even mean? Would they buy a bunch of six-month bonds and they cashed out the six-monthers? Most of the time, they roll those six-month bonds into new bonds. What is a bond? Remember what I said at the beginning is nothing more than a time-boxed savings account. It's neither scary nor anything huge. No big deal. No fucks given, no big deal kind of bullshit, okay? So think to yourself, the idea of how are you going to pay for it is not a thing. The United States government will, it's not could, let me be clear, it's not, it could do this. When Congress writes a bill, it issues instructions to the Fed who deposits money into the Treasury's account. And then the Treasury spends it into existence. That's it. Nothing more than that. It wasn't your hard-earned tax dollar that spent it into existence. You didn't have a hard-earned tax dollar to fund the government. The government had to spend the money first for you to have a hard-earned tax dollar. Do you understand? The government itself spent the money into existence so you would have the money to pay the tax. Banks don't get money just out of thin air. Well, they do kind of, but they need a charter from the federal government saying you are, by extension, acting as an agent of the government, a pseudo agent of the government, a very deregulated agent of the government, but nonetheless an agent of the government. The charter lays out what they can do and what they can't do. You want different things from banks? Change the charter. Make the charter say what you want it to say and then impose that on them. Pass a law that makes the what banks do be what banks do the way you want banks to do it. It's that simple. If you don't want them to do X, Y, Z, then make the law say they can't do X, Y, Z. It's that simple. Okay? And the other funny thing, too, is this. Every year, the Federal Reserve keeps a certain amount of money for its operating expenses because the Federal Reserve is quasi-public and private. It's all kind of both. It's like splitting the line. It's like the demark between the government sector and the private sector. It splits. It's the demark between the banking system and the public, public being federal government. 
But when the Federal Reserve earns profits based on interest, on reserves, based on other investments they've done, buying, trading, selling things off the back of their balance sheet, they take all of that profit minus operating expenses and give it to the Treasury every year. In fact, just here, let's do a quick thing. I've only got four minutes left, folks, so I'm going to try and find this real quickly. Reserve. Treasury. This is old. I could probably found a different one. I'll just read it to you. Bottom line is, go out there. I'm not going to show it to you. Bottom line is, is the federal government receives all of the money back from the Fed that it didn't need for operating expenses, period. Period. It's just not that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. But there's somebody out there that makes it a big deal. If you want to literally wipe out the Fed to accommodate the LOL Bertarians of the world, knock yourself out. I'm, I don't love the Fed. I don't give a shit about the Fed. Okay. If you want to roll it into the treasury, so be it. But then when the treasury does something really ridiculous, just know the next conspiracy is see the Jews have invaded the treasury. That's what the anti-Semites will say. The Jews have invaded the treasury. But ultimately, in the end of the day, just remember this. The United States government, just like the UK, just like China, just like Russia, just like Australia, just like Canada, okay? They're all sovereign, free-floating fiat currencies that the government issues. Now, in the Eurozone, we have a European Central Bank that is non-state-driven. It's supra-state. And it functions very similarly to our Federal Reserve in the United States. The difference is we're one country. The Eurozone is just a zone. It's not a country. That's it, my friends. I'm out of time. I don't know if I answered any of your burning desires, but I know for a fact that it was driving me absolutely insane to see some of the insane comments that were out there. Let me just quickly thank Danny Wyndham for $10. Thank you, sir. And let me thank Robin Bennett for this $20 donation. It's very, very kind. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, it, ultimately, I really appreciate everybody here, folks. Thank you for coming, sharing your time with us. And uh, with that, I am uh, Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I am out of here, folks. I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 